Welcome back, friends, to episode 23 of the Grunge Bible Podcast. Chris Salona here, joined with Ethan Shalloway as usual. Ethan, episode 23, it is currently a Tuesday afternoon for us. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Um, it's a beautiful Tuesday. Even though Tuesday is, I think, one of the worst days of the week, as far as like... I would agree. It's not... I mean, Monday sucks, but like you see, we talked about before, there's opportunities on Monday. But Tuesday's yeah. like you got everything in front of you, and only and you, all you guys one day behind you. So, but but um, I have a bachelor party this weekend that I've planned oh, for my nice. uh, a friend that I'm actually the best man in his wedding. So That's I'm catching big. up with a, some good old some good old friends uh, come Thursday night into the weekend in a cabin. So like, and then I'm going right to the beach for a week. So. I'm uh this is like one of the last things I need to one of the last boxes I'm checking off for the week before I sign off uh Thursday morning. Um you know, I'm not working obviously uh Friday, so I'm excited about that. Absolutely. How, That's perfect. How about you? How's yeah. your uh How's your week going? And yeah, what do you got? What do yeah, you got we're lined up. We're hanging in there. Uh, back, back to the grind. Uh, you know, just working. I, I fair. I, I feel similarly to you about Tuesdays, but for me personally, uh, Thursday is my least favorite day of the week, just because. I really? Mean, you get, yeah, you get to Thursday and you're just like, all right, man. Like, just get to the point. Like, we're almost there on Friday, but yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're all. Each day has its own opportunity, but I'm doing well. Um, yeah, just kind of just kind of working, running, getting back into lifting a little bit. And uh, today we're going to actually talk about uh, Facelift, the debut album from Alice in Change, which, Chains, which is very important. So we're going to be commemorating the 31st birthday of Facelift. So this podcast is going to come out on Friday, August 20th. And on August 21st, way back in 1990, Facelift was released. So I'm excited to uh, to yeah. talk about that. That's kind of one of the albums that kicked off the uh, the big bang of, of grunge rock, as they say. Yeah. So we're excited. But before we get to that, um, this was a big weekend for us, Ethan, uh, as podcasters and as... Uh, um, we, like, leveled up twice almost yeah we in, we in passed go and we collected two hundred dollars uh to put it lightly well not two hundred dollars almost we, almost. <laughs> almost um but the big news is that we have three new members of the grunge bible patreon party uh over the weekend since uh last friday's episode came out we had three individuals decide they wanted to support the cause uh so today and always we are very thankful for uh someone who goes by the username of c3907 joined the cause so <laughs> Uh, oh, great warrior. It's like yeah. 007, <laughs> exactly. James Bond. We'll have to watch seven. out. <laughs> so, I love so it. yeah, so they, they decided that they wanted to support us. And additionally, uh, we have two new two new members of the top tier, which is now at nine. So the two individuals that decided to join us this weekend, uh, one of them goes by the name Marianne, and then the other individual signed up under the name The Real Billy Corgan. So I cannot confirm if this is Billy Corgan or not. <laughs> I was going to say, what are the odds that Billy Corgan has given us $10 a month? I think they're very low. I think Billy Corgan would hate us. We haven't done a Smashing Pumpkins episode yet either. I know. Well, maybe that's why he's upset. Uh, people always say that he's super egotistical. So maybe, you know, we haven't given him some of the spotlight. Now we're slandering him. So he'd probably exactly. just tell us to fuck off. Billy, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. But thank you for the real Billy Corgan. Yes, to the real Billy Corgan, to Marianne, and to C3907. Thank you. So Marianne... I mean, that's... 
that's 25 that's like a 25 percent increase to yeah. like what we were i mean which right? is like, which is really great and you know uh yeah, Mar- marianne awesome. and mr corgan they join uh release sue jade mercado alexis shannon shannon gorgon victor schaefer and Sonny mashburn is a part of that top nine and you you know it just really i was surprised when we got three new people and and i'm very thankful for that and you know a decent amount of work goes into putting this podcast together and you know if you're if you're enjoying it so far and if you're getting some satisfaction out of it you know that's such a great way to support us i mean we're we're making this still to this point you know with money out of our own pockets uh you know to put this podcast together so if you're enjoying it you know it'd be great if you just you know checked out that page and just kind of saw what that was all about as uh, as Mr. Corgan, uh, Marianne, and uh, 007 decided to do this weekend. But that fired me up a little bit. I was pretty excited about that. Oh, yeah. That notification we talked about in the beginning when that pops up and then one of us shoot, when you shoot a text over and we like get to celebrate for a moment. That, that picks up any day. I mean, that picked up yesterday. That picked up the Monday or Sunday when you sent it. So, yeah, yeah it's... Um, yeah, it's really gratifying, and we're very thankful for you guys. So, um, yeah, thank you. We the show goes on. The show goes on, yeah. Absolutely. And with that, uh, I think it's time to talk some facelift. Yeah, let's start Let's start this episode 23 facelift anniversary party, as we like to call it. What 100%. do you want to start? Ep- you I got a little, the, little background on it? Well, there's, wanna... there's one thing I have to start with when it comes to the Facelift album, and that's the album artwork. Because to put it mm. mildly, when I first saw the album artwork when I was when I was a lad, um, I was scared. Um, I was you know, I, I didn't know what was going on there. Um, I didn't know if that was like man, woman, child, skeleton, ghost, um, whatever. Um, so I did some research on, on, nice. on the album artwork. And... Um, the chief photographer uh, was a gentleman by the name of Rocky Schenk, and I believe Mr. Rocky was also the individual who photographed the Jar of Flies cover, and presumably, mm. I guess he might have done um, the Dirt album as well if he was involved with those two projects. And I didn't know this before, you know, prior to a few hours ago, but the individual pictured on the cover, it's actually Mike Starr, the bassist at the time. I did not know that either. Yeah, so apparently what they did... What what Rocky and, and the band did is like they were at a pool and they used different like plastic sheets like plexiglass and they mm-hmm. different exposures and color techniques and they took pictures of everybody of all of all, all four individuals in the band at the time and the original plan was to have all four of them on the cover in in the style of the actual cover right now but i guess they ended up just decided and just using Mike Starr's picture but um, there is a picture of the four. Um, all together, like all like quadded up, like on like a quasi album cover, and I think they released yeah. that picture as a part of the Music Bank uh, box set in yeah. the late '90s. But yeah, that album cover always freaked me out a little bit, man. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah, I actually was I was listening to the album earlier today, and I clicked on, and I, I don't know if you can see it, but they have like on the Spotify they had the reels. Oh and it yeah, just goes back, that was and from it's the like shoot. His, yep, and it's his face, you know, just popping out of the water under, you know, and yeah, it came out with a really i mean i actually was i was looking at it and i thought maybe that um you know they took like a picture and like it looks almost like it was double and posed like next to each other to kind of like yeah cause it didn't look like a real and i don't know how much editing went into it or if it's just like just a little bit of color but it's uh it's really cool and it fits the rest i mean yeah it fits the style of they have these like you know deep 
deep orange red album covers and oh yeah just a lot um, of different energy all at once and and it's interesting you know speaking of the style of this record so they went into the studio um in December 1989, uh, to start the recording sessions for this, and, and, and recording it pretty much wrapped up by April of 1990, so a few months before it was released in August of 1990. And one thing I always love to think about with these debut albums from these bands is, you know, the days and the weeks that they went into the studio what type of music was popular? It's like, what, what was at the top of the charts then? And the fact they were going in there, like Alice in Chains, I mean, at the time you had Lane Staley, Jerry Cantrell, Sean Kenny, and, and Mike Starr, uh, you know, as a part of the band. <laughs> and, you know, they were going in the studio and, and they created for this album something unlike anything that you had heard, you know, yeah. and, and just to be able to innovate because it was so antithetical to a lot of the stuff. I mean, 1989, I mean, it was still kind of like the, the hairband reign. And I mean, Guns N' yeah. Roses was everywhere. And I know I'm not going to beat a dead horse there. I mean, we don't think yeah. highly of them. But, you know, I mean, I guess a little bit of Metallica, too. And, and I know um, yeah. Alice in Chains has always kind of been spoken about, you know, hand in hand a little bit with Metallica. But I mean, just going mm-hmm. in there and, you know, just kind of the sound they created was really, really impressive because it was, you know, they had a clean slate, you know, in their minds when they went in that studio. Yeah, and another thing that I like to, with uh, the other reason I like debut albums is, you know, this is before they're famous. Like, their debut albums, like, it's before anybody knows about them and, and like, you know, they're literally forming a band and, and, you know, Jerry, you know, when they first met, they were at a party and he heard Lane. He's like, I heard him sing. He's like, all I know is I want to be in a band with him. And then this is the first set of songs that they kind of came out with, um, and yeah, and, and and it was also I think it was um, I think we spoke about it earlier the first album pretty much in the big four to go gold, which is a hundred thousand copies sold. You said yeah, correct? yeah. It took took just about a month. I think by September of nineteen ninety, mm-hmm. it had already sold a hundred thousand copies. So yeah, so they were. I mean, this is really the first introduction to the you know the Seattle sound. Um, in the big four, you know, there's uh, some other yeah. stuff, but um, it's, I, I love the fact that it's, like I said, before fame, um, before anything really got on the, the radio for them. So I think it's just super raw. And like, this is a really good representation of like, uh, with no expectations, what do you produce? And like, yeah. no real, um, no uh, kind of band history yet. And so you're it's unadulterated. Yeah, that's a great point, especially, you know, those those two elements, you know, nobody nobody had an expectation for what an Alice in Chains album should sound like yeah. at the time. Uh, you know, the band was really, really just free to navigate that space that they wanted. And that's another good point. You know, this was this was um, this was a year before 10 came out 10 came out in 1991 in august and then yeah. never never uh never mind and bad motor finger came out 13 months later in september of 1991 so you know aside from all of the other bands that had exist i mean Soundgarden and nirvana had released you know obviously they had released some records but not to the acclaim that they would and you know alice and chains really kind of started things off which is funny because thinking back i don't think about that i don't think about yeah. you know the time and space that they occupied and i mean even you just look at this record so um the first piece of material to come out of uh come out of this i think in the summer of 1990 predating the album uh we die young was the first single that they released mm-hmm. so that was really i love to always think back to what a band's like introduction 
you know, or like hello to the world was. And with yeah. Alice in Chains, it was We Die Young. And then, you know, moving on their second single, I think the song that everybody remembers from Alice in Chains and especially from this album is Man yeah. in the Box. I mean, just to be able to go in there and make something like that. And that's the one that took this album, obviously, to the next level, because I believe that it was the first song that got onto um, MTV and the radio um, for them. And because I think that there's a little bit of hesitancy uh, to start um, with putting it on. But once they got in, like that's what really blew it up and took their sales, you know, incredibly, incredibly high and got them out there. So, yeah, Man of the Box is, you know, this for a reason, just a such it, it is really a great song. Um so I, I I mean I love the beginning just like the oh absolutely and they've got like that of, voice box thing going on and it's really I interesting just, I think a common misconception that a lot of you know music or music fans in general I think a lot of Alice in Chain fans know this but Lane Staley did not write many of the lyrics you know for Alice in Chains but this was one of the few ones that he did and there's a great interview you know where they're asking they're like Lane like what's Man in the Box about he's like well it's about you know, I think it's about media censorship or something mm-hmm. like that. But he's like, I don't know. He was like, I was stoned when I wrote it. So I, you know, probably meant something different then. Um, you know, I mean, which in, is in Lane yeah, form, is, you know. Yeah, which is one of the things that we love about Lane. Just like when you listen to it, it's like whatever you want it to, whatever you want it to be when you listen to it, that's what it is. That's what it's about. Um, and yeah, this album, I, th- I feel like, yeah, this was pre, I mean, they, I think there was some, I guess, how do, I, how do you say it lightly? This is like pre um, all, I mean, they were into drugs a little bit, but this is what, they weren't living in like addiction. Right. This was, like this that. was a little, so Lane, Lane was part, I mean, they were all partying hard, but I right. believe in the timeline of Lane's struggle with addiction. This was yeah. a little bit before, you know, he had really, right. really begun to struggle. So it's, you know, it's interesting. And, and, and We Die Young was written about, you know, just like a lot of drug death and, and violence and everything like that. And, um, you know, and this was also this was also, I think, right around the time or right before, you know, even Andy Wood passed away. And that was one of the first big casualties of Seattle, you know, two mm-hmm. drugs. So it's 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 really like the last piece of a different era. And it's so interesting because Allison Chains, you know, wrote this before anybody knew what they you know, who they were. And, you know, Seattle, by that time, it had, you know, almost a decade's worth of really, really hardcore underground music experience you know with that blend of you know punk and rock and everything that would become grunge so it's just a great harnessing of that sound i mean just to pick out a couple of the songs on here i mean the diversity on this record you know you have man in the box you have we die young you have love hate love you know which is one of Mm -hmm. the greatest ballads i think to come out of you know if you want to call it a ballad but slower just gut-wrenching songs and you have it ain't like that sunshine um you know, real Ble- thing I can't remember. Bleed the freak. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's there's some really. Was it twelve songs? Yeah, there's twelve some, songs. Um, some really good songs on here, and I think that <clears throat> even for even for the fans of the band, this this album for some reason does go a little under the radar for how good it is and how how well put together it is. Do you, do you know why? Like, why do you why do you think that this one does go under the radar? As far as is it because like peep, like dirt and jar of flies have such a I don't know a little bit more. Like I said, they were anticipating you know dirt or something like that anticipation yeah, or why why is that? It's a it's a really good question, and I would say you know with 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 an EP like jar of flies, I mean 
the critical acclaim that that received. And, you know, I think a lot of people mm-hmm. kind of treat that as Alice in Chains as magnum opus in the sense that like, yeah. you know, they're, they're, this was their creation, you know, this was, you know, but it is, it is interesting. And it's funny because in 1990, I think Alice in Chains was even, they were marketed as a metal band at the time. I mean, there was yeah. no grunge circuit for them to tour on, you know, there was no, there was no, you know, Nirvana that was going to fill stadiums or whatever, you know? So um, right. it, it is interesting, you know, and, and, and with the, you know, 31 years between us and the album release, and especially as a well, fan yeah. who didn't grow up there, it's, it's kind of, yep. it's interesting, you know, even for me with this record, I mean, you know, Man in the Box, as soon as you learn Alice in Chains, it was probably the first song that many of us in our generation heard, you know, it's either that or Rooster probably. Rooster, yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and for me, the same thing, I didn't really listen to this, this, this album a whole lot until um, I had just got my first car I think I, I had just gotten out of high school and, and I bought, I was, it was an old car, so it didn't have an aux cord. So I was buying up CDs. Yeah. I ended up nice. purchasing this one. And, you know, when you have a CD, you just kind of let it play front to back. And that's really when I discovered just how powerful this album was. And it was so much more than Man in the Box. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that discovery process. And it's interesting, you know, I wonder what it was like, you know, to maybe be a teenager or 20 something right. in 1990 when it came out. Well, yeah, and that's what I, I was going to touch on too. It's so different looking. I mean, this album is you know four years older than me, right? And you know six years older than you, seven. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, I always, when I think about this stuff, I always try to compare it to bands and how the music scene shifted in say 2013 when we were getting out, when I was getting out of high school, or you know a couple of years after during college, like what what the music scene, how it was like kind of moving and forming, and like you know I'm sure like yeah the it was probably huge. This, I mean, it's kind of, like I said, hard to understand how big this album was for Seattle when it came out. Um, and the only way to kind of, I feel like the only way to really understand it is to, to connect it with something that, you know, we lived through. And I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, but either way, um, yeah. It, so maybe it's a little bit like revisionist history for us or so, something yeah. like that. Like we're look, we're looking back knowing the numbers and stuff and maybe we just, and that's you know that's our fault. That's something that we you know sadly we missed. I mean right, we can't exactly. go, we can't you go know, back we can't, and experience. We can't fix that. Stuff. You know we'll we'll, yeah. we'll forever have missed out on that. And you know you can, you know maybe that takes away our credentials. You know to even do a post mortem on this album. But who yeah. knows? I mean you're, you're you're put in the situation that you're put into. But Ethan, um, if you had to pick like you know two two songs on this on this album that you would consider to kind of be your favorite, or you know if you're gonna if you're gonna listen to Facelift. You know which which two would you turn to? Um, mm. You know if you just if you just yeah. if you just had to pick a couple. I think that I do. I really do like "We Die Young" mm-hmm. um, as an opener, um, and I, I I really like uh, "Bleed the Freak" as well. But I think "Sea of Sorrow" is um, okay. Is a, is a really is a really good one because it has a it has a it gets kind of you know it has a lower point in the middle where it kind of gets down and then it. Um, I think it's just well put together and it's a, it's a solid song that, um, you know, should be listened to more. So I don't know. Those are the three that I would kind of go with. Um, Absolutely. Uh, another, you? another interesting point before I get to my picks, you know, there's not really a whole lot of Jerry Cantrell singing on this record. And, and I mm. believe and and the specifics of this anecdote are escaping me right now. But if I remember correctly, at some point, you know, before Dirt was recorded and after Facelift was recorded, I think it might have been even Lane who had encouraged Jerry, you know, to sing a little bit more. I mean, 
I, you know, there's not really a whole lot of, whole lot of Jerry, you know, take certainly not like taking a verse or taking a chorus like he would certainly later on, but uh, just kind of an interesting thing, you know, cause I'm thinking of some of my favorites right here. And, and I think, you know, for some reason I've always been drawn to the song sunshine on this album. Mm. And I think it's for me, it's just tied to memories of having that CD in my first car and, you know, just, you know, blasting down the road, listening to sunshine. Um, and then lately uh, it ain't like that has been growing on me. I just posted it a few days ago. Um, but you know, those are, you know, coincidentally, they're seventh and eighth back to back on the album, and um, yeah. you know, just I, th- I think a song like "Sunshine." I mean, it's just got that. You know, I mean, Lane's vocals are top notch as they are up and down this album, um, and just I don't know, it's just classic Jerry Cantrell music. You know, yeah, um, and you know, he contributed the overwhelming majority of the music um, on "It Ain't Like That." Actually, he shared uh, music credits with. Uh, Sean Kinney and Mike Starr, but you know, aside from that, it was pretty much all Jerry. Um, you know, as it continued to be, but I don't know. It's just, it's just weird. You know how people are able to come together, and they can be so different, but they fit so well. I mean, even just think about the voices of of Lane and Jerry, and you know how later on in their careers, you know, as they began to experiment more with, you know, doing harmonies and you know just trading verses and choruses, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 crazy because you take an album like Facelift, it was it was that good, and they still had room to grow, and and they grew, you know. Yeah, yeah, they grew into you know basically different spaces. I mean, we talked about this in one of our other pods, and I think each album is is uh you know in in its own room in the house. I mean, it, it has its own space. You know, each you can go to different. I, I feel like this has you know significant differences than um, you know dirt. And then, of course, the EPs are. Yeah, I mean, even like the Sap EP, which came, I think, shortly after this, you know, just drastically different worlds. I like that analogy. It's like, you know, you have this one in in one room, you know, maybe down in the living room, and then, you know, up in a small bedroom on the third floor, you have Sap, you know? Yeah. Exactly. You know? (laughs) Um, But it's just, I've always been, you know, I say, I feel like I say this every single time we talk about these artists, but I've always just been in awe of the versatility you know, of these musicians and, you know, the cohesiveness and those abil- their ability to move th- to those different spaces together, you know, and mm-hmm. sound like you know, if, you know, you take Alice in Chains, you take a song like Love, Hate, Love, and it sounds like that's the kind of song that they write the best. But then, I mean, you go you go one song down to It Ain't Like That, and, you know, that's a little bit of a harder song. And it sounds like that's the space that they inhabit best. You know, it's just how they were able to make all of these sounds and convey all of these feelings through their music, you know, just the range that they had has always been really, really impressive to me. And I think you could say that about a lot of the bands that we talk about here. I mean, that's what makes them great is their ability to kind of navigate those spaces, um, you know, and go wherever they're inspired to go. Absolutely. Um, One thing I wanted to to say, another thing, I'm always impressed by bands, yeah, how they can have like... um, a really good album and then they get back in the studio and write you know more uh you know he said more albums and i always said i just sang this song a new song by courtney barnett that came out and mm-hmm. it was like one of those i mean I, I really like her as an artist and and some of her stuff that she did with kurt vile but um you know i didn't know where she would go like i haven't listened to her as much and i was wondering if i had outgrown her or something you know i mean i was just like yeah I didn't or if know it just what, doesn't do it for you anymore yeah i, I yeah. didn't know what she was gonna have to offer and then a new song comes out and i'm like wow i'm like i'm I'm, in, I'm like impressed i'm like you know this whole time they've been working on music or something like that and like i just reminded how 
you know, artists continue to grow and evolve and you never know which, you know, when you're writing, you just never know which one's going to, uh, you know, sync up or which one's going to sound people are going to really cling to. And, um, but I love it. I, I mean, I love that artists can just, you know, they keep, keep writing, they keep growing. So. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's really interesting, you know, with an album like Facelift, because that was really, you know, that was the band at the beginning of that growth process, you know, and even in a span of, I think Jar of Flies came out in 1994, you know, in a span of four years, they were able to grow that much, you know, and, and, and explore that many different areas across, mm-hmm. you know, you know, two albums and, and a couple of EPs, you know, and they were able to yeah. explore all of those areas. It's always really, really yeah. impressive. Uh, very impressive to me. Um, couple of always, anecd- yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and of course it comes with, you know, the physical scene that they're living in, in Seattle and what's the music scene that's going on. There's a lot of influence. And then obviously like the personal changes and personal life that always goes so much in the music. And you can tell, um, with al- you know, albums of this era when people are, you know, I think I saw something that was like, you, you know, facelift was, uh, they were kind of like in in dark places here and there, but they weren't living there. And then in like dirt or some other ones, like you know, they're living there, and it's total. It's a different feel at times. Um, so obviously that stuff all goes into yeah. it. Yeah, and it's interesting as fans. I know um, we we have an old friend who cautioned us one time long ago about Alice in Chains. You know, not to spend too much time with them, and I think their music, you know is really dark and in my opinion it might be the darkest out of any of the prominent bands to come from seattle and you know you start to see a little bit of that here but certainly as their careers went on i mean you know that's what lane had a had a quote you know and he was like you know we just kind of write about feelings and stuff and things that we know you know he's like we're not writing about you know babes or politics or anything like that he said you know and and obviously as 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 their lives developed and you know they had their conflicts and their struggles i think they did bring a lot of that into their music especially on the dirt album which you know obviously came a few years later and when jar of flies came out in 1994 but um i have one anecdote a, a piece of lore about this album and i want you to be the judge whether you believe this is true or not so, oh, nice. um, Sean, Fact Ken- or fiction. yes, exactly. So, um, Sean Kenny, drummer of Alice in Chains claims that he played the recording oh, yeah. sessions of this album with a broken hand. So as the story goes, he had broken his hand and in December of 89, when they went in to record it, he couldn't drum cause he had a, he had a fucking broken hand. So they brought Greg Gilmore of mother <laughs> love bone in to play. And evidently the band and Greg and Sean, they just decided it wasn't working with Greg. So Sean apparently allegedly cut his cast off, off of his broken hand and played drums. And while he was set up in the studio, he would, he'd be, he'd be at the drum kit and he'd have this ice bucket next to him. And like in between songs, he would just plunge his hand into the ice bucket. Now, I mean, this was, this was 31 years ago after 31 years. I mean, you can, you can make up shit about whatever you want. I mean, we could make up stuff about five years ago and no, no one would be the wiser for it. Do you believe this? Because you, you're a drummer. Like you think you could drum with a broken hand? You know, it depends. How long How long was it broken? Do we know, like, the timetable? I, I, I don't know. I, I, it was not. I mean, it was, had it. That informa- information was not divulged in the that, source material that I had. <laughs> that one, that was lost in the translation. And, yeah. I mean, uh, gut reaction, like, of course I believe it. That's oh, absolutely. Just, <laughs> I, I, I believe those stories every time, like, ten times out of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I, mean, if it's, I, mean, I, I mean, if you have a broken hand, like... 
especially if it's your right hand if, and if your right is your dominant hand but maybe like if it's maybe i gotta, I gotta listen to it back and see like how hard <laughs> the parts are but um i'm sure i'm sure that he made it work and he and he played i, I love the ice bucket though that that oh, really yeah. puts this that puts the story over the top yeah and well if that's he, like and the if he's playing with the broken hand he's definitely going to do something like that yeah and that's the same thing um the unplugged show that they did um evidently another alice in chains lore story is that that night jerry cantrell had food poisoning and he had a mm-hmm. he had a waste basket next to him the whole night on stage at unplugged it's like in case he threw but the 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 food poisoning apparently came from a bad hot dog that he had eaten <laughs> earlier in the day <laughs> exactly so like and it's one of those things i mean we'll never know like if the these flu are true game for michael yeah Jordan. exactly i mean it's jerry better cantrell. it's better yeah, fucking cantrell. unplugged <laughs> It's so much better, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm inclined. I mean, I'll I'll believe you know if 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 he said you know he recorded the like they recorded it in like a mine shaft or something, I would believe that you know. Um, right, right, yeah, with no no uh, contact with the outside world for thirty days before they started recording something yeah. crazy like that. Yeah, exactly. One final anecdote that I have to share is that the studio that they were using to record it, um, I believe their recording, you know dates got delayed a little bit because prior to their sessions um the studio was raided um and it was the biggest marijuana bust in in mm. washington state history at the time so apparently they were they were just you know heaving copious amounts of cannabis uh in and out of that studio at the time which i mean nowadays it wouldn't really make much of a difference but i guess they pushed back the facelift sessions a couple of weeks because of that <laughs> That would have oh made for a gosh. good recording environment. Maybe we would have gotten a little bit more of a mellow, uh, <laughs> mellow record had they not busted it. Yeah, and instead of facelift, it would have been called like, I don't know, face down or something or something. <laughs> Very creative. Yeah, I was trying to think of a. Yeah, that's awesome. It's interesting, but it's it's really great, you know, because facelift really kicks off the fall of you know album anniversaries because I mean, starting in August, I mean, you have. You have facelift, and then you have you have ten next week, uh, and then getting into September, you have I believe you have Bad Motor Finger and Nevermind on the same day, and then like five or six days later, you have Core by Stone Temple Pilots and Dirt by Alice in Chains. So we're gonna we have a lot we have our work cut out for us on the podcast to commemorate all of these fantastic albums. But I mean, if you're starting off with an album like Facelift, that's not a bad place to start. No, I mean this started. Yeah, this started it all. So this is appropriate. I, I like it a lot. I'm Absolutely. glad we were able to talk about this. Yeah, it was fantastic. And I'm glad it's thir- you know 30, 31 years old. That's uh That's old. Well, no, it's not yeah, old because brilliant. I'm sure we have people who are older than that listening. You guys are great. You guys are young as hell, and you look fantastic. Yeah, you guys. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Yeah, so you guys are listening to podcasts. You're hip. Not old at all. Exactly. Well, I'm going to take my foot out of my awesome. mouth now, and uh, we can continue onward yeah. <laughs> um, to the final segment, unless you have any closing thoughts on Facelift, but I think it's time to get to the song of the week. I think we nailed it. Yeah, I'd love to we we pop over to the song of the week. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I'll go first. I'll go first with face. I mean, yeah, with Facelift. <laughs> I'll go first with the song of the week, and I kind of touched on it earlier, um, but yeah, Courtney Barnett, they have a new song, uh, Before You Gotta Go, and it's a single off of the uh, album that comes out. What When does it come out? I'm not exactly sure. I think it comes sure. out sometime this fall because she's touring the U.S. in the springtime for it. Yes. And I believe, yeah. 
Um, it's one of two songs that are uh, have been released. Uh, Ray Street, Ray Street is the, was one, the but, first one. Yep. Yep. But before you got to go, so um, take a listen to that. We put it on the uh, the old playlist, and it was solid. It was a really great. Mo- I listened to it. I believe in the morning. Maybe it was at night, and then also the morning. But uh, we've been sending songs back and forth. I love the nightcaps and the early morning songs. Those are like my two favorite times. Right when I li- wait, right when I wake up from bed, and right when I go to sleep. So. Yeah. Um, that's a perfect one for either of those times. Absolutely. Um, I'm a big Courtney Barnett fan. Um, I've listened to this song, actually, and, and it's it's really great. So her album is coming out in November, um, on November nice. 12th, and it's called Things Take Time, Take Time. Uh, and Courtney Barnett is significant for me um, for the reason that she has, uh, her debut album has one of the greatest and one of my personal favorite uh, album titles of all time. And it was her 2015 mm. debut album called Sometimes I Sit and Think and Sometimes I Just Sit. And yep. it, it doesn't get any better than that. I think for the introspective types out there, that makes a lot of sense. I, I tie that right in with uh, Feel the Pain by Dinosaur Jr. It's like, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> you're feeling the pain of everyone. And then it's just sometimes sometimes you're just sitting there's, you know there's nothing nothing to feel yeah. nothing to think about you just sit but yeah courtney barnett is uh absolutely fantastic i'm i'm a really really big fan it, of hers yeah that's it's so funny you said it comes out in november and for a second for a split second i was like damn that's pretty far away it's really then not. i realized that we're halfway that's nah, really Dude, not we we're teleported through, through 2021 half, yeah yeah so i'm not even yeah we have like two months until that month starts it's weird so anyway so what are you listening really to strange. right now so we're, we're going back a few decades as as i normally tend to do but um <laughs> a couple of days ago th- this past weekend for some reason uh my sunday was pretty mellow i went for a run and then visited some family was doing some doing some shopping but um in the morning for some reason i'm in this habit of just kind of listening to blues on on sunday mornings you get the sunday blues going you know you have your coffee and you just, you just kind of hang out, have a good time. Uh, and uh, I decided, so I never I never really got into the doors a whole lot. Um, I, ha- I have a friend who's really, really big into the doors. Uh, and a few years ago, she tried getting me in. And, and you know, I was, I, I dipped my toes in the water, but, you know, I didn't really, really get in a whole lot. But um, Sunday, for Sunday Blues, I was listening to the L.A. Woman album, which came out in 1971, which is probably their bluesiest bluesiest record i would say and uh my song of the week is off of that album it's called car hiss by my window um and it's just Mm. a really like sloppy slow blues song and you know jim morrison and the doors are you know top notch obviously i think i don't know are are they one of those bands and is jim morrison one of those people that you might not even like to listen to them but you can respect you know respect what they brought to the table because i i feel that way about them i I think you know Yeah, I think that he has a he became an icon and he's very historic and I, I really don't think that people listen to the doors like they say they do. Yeah. There's a lot of like a lot of people that you know say it's that very they like popular the doors, to they, say, Oh man, I love Jim Morrison, you know. Yeah, they have the shirt, they have yeah, they well, have in the, a way Jim Morrison was like that generation's Kurt Cobain, you know, that mysterious, you know, Mm-hmm. character individual who had a lot of mystique around Young them who man. obviously died way before their time they were both yeah. 27 when they passed away and yeah i, I mean it's the same what? thing i think it's really cool like what's up i was gonna say what year did he pass again i think he passed how, in how 70 73 or something like that um wow so almost 50 years ago 
Yeah, it's it's crazy how wow. long. Yeah, oh, no, never mind. He passed away in 1971, July 3rd. Um, did a live check. So it just passed. Yeah, so he's been passed away for 50. It, the 50 year it, the 50 year anniversary just passed. Yeah, he'd be 77. Wow. 50 years. Which is ago. weird to think yeah, about. I mean, Kurt would be Kurt would be 57 or something like that. Or you know, fifty five ish. Twenty seven plus twenty seven, fifty four. Yeah, fifty four. And yeah, it's it's really interesting. And you know, I don't know. I've always been fascinated by that concept of you know when someone passes, they're frozen at that point in time, um, which is a really yeah. strange thing to think about. And it's it's almost impossible for me to think about like what a seventy something year old Jimi Hendrix would be doing, or you know what Jim Morrison would be up to, or what a you know if 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 Kurt Cobain were Eddie Vedder's age now, you know, which he would be, you know what whether they would be making music what their thoughts on the world would be it's always it's i would love to be able to think about those kind of things but i just can't because i I don't know where you begin because they're just frozen at the point you know which their lives ended which is really sad but you know a lot of these people we have you know troves of of music to listen to and and this weekend i decided to um backtrack to some of the doors so that's my song of the week um who knows maybe maybe in a couple of weeks time i'll get more into the doors and i'll go and i'll become one of those people and i'll become a personality trait of mine there you go that would be <clears throat> no better time than now i think i need to listen to the doors there's all there's always so much stuff i need to listen it's to overwhelming I luckily i have some i have some drives coming up so i'm going to be doing that absolutely that'll be fantastic awesome. well i think that brings us to the end of the episode i believe um, it does that was great that was great that was a lot of fun that was episode 23 23 weeks yeah, in a row man 23 23 the jordan episode um really great to talk to you thank you everybody that's supporting us um if you guys want to continue supporting us um the links are in our bio and if you can if all you can do is like uh you know like our posts and like our videos or uh like our spotify just do that i mean we'll take it i'll take whatever i'll take whatever drop a comment tell us what you think you know i i've i've really you know we're almost like half a year into this thing now which is really strange and i've i've you know i've read all of the feedback we've gotten and it's actually helped a great deal so if you have questions comments thoughts or concerns you know we love to hear them but yeah just thank you everybody for your support you know it really really means a lot i didn't i didn't really think that it would be received you know as well as it has been so i'm 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 humbled you know each time we get a a word and i know thanks and i know that we probably sound like a broken record because we do it like twice an episode but right that's that's sincere and that's why we do it because we are very thankful and it's like um you know this is our way to to you know i mean this is like face to face we're not you know i'm not making a post about it we're talking about it so we want you guys to hear it from our mouths like we are very very thankful so that's why we bring it up every time so get used to it it's going to keep coming so if you want to hear your name uh you know you, you know, know what to, to do <laughs> you can we you know what the next person's going to be our, it's going to be our top 10 the, the initial yeah. 10 the found the founding 10 after this there is no, you can't be in the top 10. So who's going to take that spot? Exactly. Who knows? Maybe it's someone listening right now. But thanks again for listening, everybody. Happy 31st birthday to Facelift, the debut album from Alice in Chains. And we will catch you all next week. We're going to be commemorating uh, 10, which was Pearl Jam's debut album, which will have come out 30 years to the day of that podcast release. So a lot of exciting things coming. Ethan, really enjoyed our time, as I always do. And I will talk to you soon. Rock and roll, guys. See you next week. Be well. We'll see you later.